We're going to talk to you. You are the initiate. You are the cause we be. I found out that I was actually getting a two inch by two inch brand with a color as a man. We no longer under the laws of Moses. The world that is infected with violence and the violence shall take it by force. Coffee. And cults. <sighs> Hi John. Hi Sam. Hi listeners. And welcome to Coffee and Cults, where once a month we meet, drink coffee and talk cults and fringe religious movements from around the world. Please be aware this podcast may not be suitable for all listeners as it will contain strong language probably and anything. What's going on John? Uh, No specific trigger warnings particularly beyond dense theological debate about the meaning of the bible classic john which might be a trigger for quite a lot of us in many ways yeah fair. Um, but nothing not in this episode um you'll as we talk more you'll have already i was trying to be mysterious again but you'll have seen the title when you clicked on um as we progress over the next couple of episodes yeah. listeners you might imagine there are uh increasingly uh, a series of crazy and horrific trigger warnings to come but not in this episode this one's mostly this one's mostly quirky old people being quirky and old lovely i've been purposely trying to forget everything that i know about this group i only knew very vague things anyway i wondered why you were banging your head on the wall (laughs) as we started (laughs) get away get out uh yeah i've just been kind of not uh interacting with anything i see about it knowing that at some point this episode was going to come i've sort of been the same which is a terrible thing for a researcher to do until i realized how how much my memory is now just fixated on the sort of the end game of the story and less on some of the really crazy shit that happens long before that so um yeah there's some crazy stuff to come because sam yeah we are starting a little series, long requested by people and long on our list of the sort of big hitter cults that we wanted to talk about. Um, we're going to look at the Branch Davidians and the road to the siege at Waco. Ooh, very exciting. Before we start, a little a tiny bit of admin. Um, thank you all so much for all the um, reviews that you've left us in this last month. You've been so, you're always wonderful and generous, but especially in the last month, loads of you have got in touch. We really appreciate that. It makes it makes our day. Thank you. We love it. Um, and to the nice person that got in touch with us about their father and their brother, thank you so much for your email. We hope you're all okay. Yeah, we send a lot of love to you. Thank you so much for letting us know your story. It's very, yeah, very kind of you to share. So yeah, thank you to you, but also thank you to everybody else who's been uh, sending us messages and reviews. Um, Except for that one guy that was horrible about John. You, No, thank you. Don't be horrible about my I friend. Just, I'd just like to say to the person that emailed Sam asking for me to be cut from my own podcast, <laughs> the next three episodes are just going to be me talking, motherfucker. So, <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that. Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> So shall we... No, I said this a minute ago, and I didn't mean it. I was just going to say, so shall we Waco again? But I don't know what no, that means. No, no, let's very much try to make sure that nothing Waco-style happens ever again. Yeah, um, sorry, I was so, just leaning to get my drink. That's okay. Um, we, uh, we're lying to you a little bit, uh, listeners. This is normally coffee and cults. Uh, today, would you like to explain what we're drinking? Uh, we have uh, small tins of uh, pina colada from Marks and Spencers if you're in the UK and uh, drink alcohol, highly recommend they're delicious and refreshing Yeah, 
Um, Not an ad. <laughs> we've suddenly gone very bougie on this podcast. Please do, if you'd like to donate to Common Cult, mm. you can do that at uh, ko-fi.com. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> slash Coffee and Cults. You can, you can support us on Patreon to help us buy more bougie uh, alcohol and then we'll just uh, we'll just change the podcast to pina coladas and privilege and that <laughs> we, won't, we won't do that fab okay so um we're going to talk about the branch davidians um cool. and the story leading up to can we talk a bit louder about the branch davidians <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to talk about the branch davidians uh, and the road to the famous siege at waco um, to do that listeners this is probably we think going to be a three-parter uh, we'll talk this week about the sort of the origins of the group, the history and what they're about. Next time, we'll talk about the arrival of their last leader. That's almost a spoiler, David Koresh. Yeah. Uh, and then the final episode, we'll talk about the siege. And there might be a few little bonus things afterwards. There's uh, You'll be excited about this, Sam. There's a lot of cult leader music. Great. So, some more Sounds of so the we'll 60s for you, Patreon. Sounds of the 60s for Patreon. Um, we'll maybe do a couple of bonus bits on the channel. Um Nice. But we'll start at the very, uh, the very, very beginning because we're going to start in John's niche territory yeah. with uh, 19th Victorians. century. <laughs> yeah, got it. I was going to say the very best place to start. Ah. Oh. When you talk about cults, you begin <laughs> That's exactly with. What I was oh. trying to guess. <laughs> uh, when you. <laughs> When you speak, you begin with CBA. With this cult, you begin with SDA. S S D. Okay, San Diego. No. Oh, maybe I wasn't far off. You, you were quite far off. So, um, um, this is quite a big topic. Uh, there's yep. loads of exciting controversies about uh, both this group, but also the sort of story and telling around them. Um, as we've spoken about off mic, Sam. There's a Ooh. whole sort of host of conspiracy theory around it which we will get to but for the moment we're going to to begin in a very complex and crazy emerging theology and regular listeners of the show get your little bingo uh <laughs> people from the 19th century and just before who have a lot to be uh, responsible for south of southgate do we get southgate Joanna South Southcott South. Southcott. I was going to say Gareth Southgate. Gareth Southgate. Is responsible for a cult. You heard it here first, listeners. Let's make that. Let's start that rumor. Why not? Gareth Southgate runs a cult. Uh, is so, he? Wait. Sorry, I'm carrying on with this. Yeah. Gareth Southgate is actually a character played by Jared Leto, who is running a cult. So. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, we should definitely talk about that. 100%. You see, we're getting distracted uh, already, listeners. Sorry. Uh, we'll stick to that good stuff. So, um. This is going to take us back, as I've said, said into the 19th century. At this incredible time we've spoken about before where all of these new groups start up and it feels like in the research we've done for loads of things, like every other week, mm. a different group is getting set up and then splitting into a hundred other groups. Yeah. And there's this big sort of explosion of uh, groups. And so our story... So if we had a like religion family tree, right, this is like a sort of like second cousin of Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah? We are diving back into the yeah. Millerites. Great. SDA, Seventh-day Adventist. Oh, there we go. We're right in the heart of all of that nice. uh, stuff. And so this is, yeah, this is sort of starting around in this sort of 1840 kind of time. 
Um, and for a bit of sort of context or other things, this is the same time that Joseph Smith and his Mormons are being persecuted. Ooh. So it's really like new religion central um, and all these sort of different flavours of Christianity. Oh, like lovely. A, like a Neapolitan <laughs> Jesus. I don't, I don't know. Like a Jesus trifle. <laughs> Jesus trifle is a product that we should uh, 100%. Yeah. So we're going to get to them uh, in a moment. But this is uh, sort of a time when there's a particular strain of Christianity that is all about the Bible being inspired by and therefore the infallible world of God. Right. And that in that infallible book, it very clearly mentions that the world is going to end yeah. and that there will be lots of sort of things that will happen uh, at that time described in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, for example... Ooh, we've got a book. We've got lots of little tabs in the book. I love when John does this. He's so organised with books. For example, some of these different quotes uh, in uh, one of Paul's letters to a place I can't quite pronounce, to the church in Thessalonica. Nice. Um, quote, the Lord himself with a cry of command, with the archangel's call and with the sound of God's trumpet will descend from heaven and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up in the clouds together with them to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Right. Sure. So, yeah. End of the world. All those who are the chosen and special ones will go. Go and live with God in the sky. Jesus in the air. Yeah. Like air hockey pucks. They will float up towards. Um, That would be nice. So, uh, yeah. So the idea that there's going to be this big sort of reckoning for people on earth um and then as we know stuff from the book of revelation like this and i stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea having seven heads and ten horns and upon his horns ten crowns Pause. And upon <laughs> sorry seven, seven heads and ten horns yes what's the what's the like arrangement of those horns i just... imagine six of the heads have one horn yeah and then one has three that's how i or maybe imagine two it. have two. Oh yeah maybe there's also but then or in what, what order? if none of them uh <laughs> no wait it can't be none of them what yeah. if five of them don't have any and then two have five each that's what I'm going to choose to picture. Okay, and then we've got how many crowns? Seven crowns? Ten crowns? Um, ten crowns. So one is like jauntily dangling off each On the horns, horn. but not on the head, yeah. Okay. I mean, it sounds like a fashion disaster, doesn't it, really? And upon his heads, the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard. His feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the... This came out of the ocean. <laughs> I was imagining some sort of like Cthulhu beast. Uh, it was it was like unto a leopard. What's that one? Um, a from, narwhal. No, from Greek mythology, where you cut it and it cut its head off. And Hydra. It yeah. Yeah. Well, imagine that, but with it looks a bit like a leopard. It's got the feet of a bear, the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority Ooh, it also sounds a little bit like that scene in hamlet where hamlet's pretending to be mad and is naming the clouds and polonius is going along with that and that's the end of literary corner <laughs> samantha land um i hope it's not the end and i saw one of his heads as if it were wounded to death 
and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast, and they worshipped the dragon which gave power unto the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast, who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies, and the power was given to him to continue forty and two months, and he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, and blah, 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 blah. So he has seven, this monster has seven heads, ten horns, ten crowns, just one mouth. Like a lion. Like a lion. But one mouth for all those, so all those seven heads are like Neo in the Matrix when he's like, Ooh. Yeah, I guess so. The point being, there's a lot of crazy uh, stuff in the Bible. Yeah, it's fucking nuts. Um, but if you believe that that is literally the word of God, then you have to try and figure out what all of that stuff uh, means. Yeah. Um, and we're talking about America. Hi, American listeners. We love you. Hello. Um, and there's a lot of really strong belief in that. So here's some interesting poll data. Ooh. 1983 poll. Respondents said, well, 62% said that Jesus uh, will come again. In wow. 1980, a poll said that 40% of people uh, thought the Bible was the literal world of God. What? Do we know how many people? I don't know. I assume no. it's an appropriate just a cross section of, of survey. Yeah, uh, yeah, for survey purposes. Uh, it's 1980. I would imagine that might have changed a little yeah. bit, but that's still a significant, significant number. Um, and we're talking about, or going to be talking about the sort of the the early days of the Seventh Day Adventists and the split off from them. Mm. In 2002, Sam. There were an estimated 13 million Seventh-day Adventists. Wow. Which I assume is worldwide, who are really into this stuff and are a sort of a big, yeah, big significant organisation. Um, in the same time of that survey of memberships, they had 100 teaching institutions, about 4,000 primary schools, 166 hospitals, 160 retirement centres and orphanages. I don't know why those are listed together or whether they're like a joint. Yeah. Put the orphans Ooh. and the old people in together. I don't know what's... I mean, maybe, it, maybe it's like one of those things where they bring in like puppies. Ah. But they bring in orphans just, to cheer the old people oh, up. Yeah. Or old people to cheer the orphans up. Oh, I don't know what would be better. Maybe both would just enjoy their company. Ah. God. But anyway, that's that was sadder than I intended it to be. <laughs> in 160 uh, places under the auspices of the Seventh Day Adventists, as we might know, uh, listeners, uh, their name is centred on the really sort of strong idea that you should observe uh, the seventh day as the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. So that means usually the Saturday. In yeah. fact, I think the Seventh Day Adventists that normally means from like Friday night till Sunday morning. It's yeah. kind of an extended period um, and Adventists meaning that they're looking expectantly for the second advent of the Lord the second appearance of the Lord lovely I bet they get sore necks from looking expectantly all the time just looking up at the sky sounds exhausting Jesus. doesn't it and as I've written here in capital letters Sam they fucking love Bible prophecy who doesn't yeah, yeah. As, as of course we all do uh, on this podcast um so in the 1840s, William Miller, frequent name on this podcast. Yeah, there you um, go. There's um, one dab on your cult bingo card. Yeah, there you go. Hit it down. Um, who had been a New England farmer who 
one of the books I read, Sam, quite cruelly, I think, described as, quote, nondescript. Oh. Poor William Miller. Yeah, he did quite, like, he's Can't quite you find famous. find any description of him at yeah. all. That's poor beige William Miller. Um, <laughs> it's just sepia. <laughs> And I guess he, that would make you descript, wouldn't it? If you were yeah, just that's true, yeah. in real life. I imagine he must just be just a blank void. <laughs> <laughs> slender man. <laughs> that's canon now. Mate, William Miller is slender man is something we can definitely start as a A hundred percent yeah, that's a rumor. Idea. That's um, the second rumour we've started today. We are we are all about the rumours. Um and of course, as we know, in the end times there will be rumours of wars and uh, rumours of Gareth Southgate <laughs> um, and so yeah so they're really into all of this stuff here's another bit of um, a Bible verse that Miller particularly was into this is from Daniel quote then I heard one saint speaking and another saint said unto that certain saint which spake I don't know what kind of saint convention this conversation is happening at, spake how long shall be the vision concerning the daily sacrifice and the transgression of desolation to give both the sanctuary and the host to be trodden underfoot, to which the answer comes, unto two thousand and three hundred days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. And Miller came to the conclusion that that was describing the number of prophetic days, or literal years, uh, that would herald the end of the world. So this is about believing the world's going to end, as the Bible says, right. and trying to work out exactly when that's going to happen. Yeah. Because that's when, you know, Beast's going to do his thing, air hockey with Jesus, all yeah. that stuff's going to go <laughs> down. <laughs> However, the Bible and the sort of idea of prophecy in the Bible hasn't always been sort of viewed in the same way. That's sort of quite a common yeah. sort of idea now, or we're yeah. familiar with that being an interpretation. But there are loads of sort of different early takes on that. So um, <clears throat> right at the start, obviously, there was uh, Chiliasm which was an early literalism, sort of believing that Daniel and the book of Revelations were sort of literal prophecies of things that things might happen. Things that will happen, okay. Mythical um, beasts that will really come out Justin of the Justin Martyr, particular proponent of right. that. okay. You have your early apologetics bingo card yeah. also with you. <laughs> Dab. Uh, then um, Augustine later on sort of decides and teaches that the book of Revelation is actually actually mostly about the present day at the time so like 354 to 430 and it's sort of it's describing the world then and that jesus's return is really really far off okay and that sort of became a the sort of mainstay of that interpretation yeah that's a safer thing to believe and to get people to trust isn't it? it's really far off it's gonna happen but nowhere near now we will learn a lot in this episode as we've learned previously Ooh. never put a specific date in place otherwise you might greatly disappoint people yeah yeah um and then uh, later on jo- uh jochim of feel joachim joachim is it j-o-a-q yeah yeah oh oh i don't know i was thinking of like joachim phoenix because that's yeah. not like that but i don't know if that's the same anyway him anyway. however his name is and i'm sure someone will email him yeah in the 12th century um sort of came up with this idea that there were three ages that were sort of described and interpreted by the Bible. The age of the law, it's all the Old Testament Moses-y yeah. stuff, the age of the sun, Jebus, and the age of spirit, 
which is like the run revelations the the future yeah. stuff um, cool. and so the end is coming because we're in that third age but how long that is is sort of up for yeah up for debate okay sweet um, so that explains you're the enders night the a board that you're wearing today. yeah yeah absolutely yeah. and the bell that i'm ringing yeah however william miller loves all of this yeah very much is in that literal prophecy and specifically that these things that are described in daniel and in revelation are like accurate descriptions of what will happen in the end times and cool. we should be looking to match that to our own and so he says that Jesus will return on the 22nd of October, 1844. And we all know that happened. That's the end of the podcast. Goodbye. Thank you. See you next time. <laughs> Which was kind of bold. Um, but at this point, Seventh-day Adventists have something in the region of like 50,000 followers. Okay. Lots of whom like move to upstate New York, ready to greet the end of the world. Because they're ready for it to happen. Love that Jesus is going to come to upstate New York. It's just like um, in the Book of Mormon when they're singing about it being Salt Lake City. I'm sure these places are fine and lovely, but maybe not. I don't know. Who Seems am I? A bit odd I don't for, know. for Jesus to go there. So here's a here's a quote from one of the followers. We confidently. <laughs> oh, I don't know why I've gone a bit West we Country. <laughs> we, I thought you'd gone Yoda. <laughs> confidently um i know i know this isn't right but he's going to be a bit west country i think we confidently expected to see jesus christ and all the holy angels with him and that his voice would call up abraham isaac and jacob and all the ancient worthies and near and dear friends which had been torn from us by death and that our trials and sufferings with our earthly pilgrimage would close and we should be caught up to meet our coming lord to be forever with him and interpret the bright golden mansions in the golden home city prepared for the redeemed. If he's from New York, surely it should be like the the. Oh, I can't remember any of the words that you just said. The the homes of the redeemed. <laughs> we confidently expected to see Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay. Hey, buddy, I'm ascending here. <laughs> I'm right. I'm being raptured here. You rapturing me? I don't see anyone else in here. You rapturing me? <laughs> You're right. That is, can you that tell? Is I've never seen that like film. Can, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the next sentence of this book really spells it out beautifully. Great. <clears throat> Jesus did not appear. Yes, correct. And end quote. Yeah. Which, as Sam has so wisely told us already, was known hereafter as the great disappointment. I am like in my kind of uh, spiritual hopefulness. It's a bit disappointed. It's like it'd be really cool. Imagine if it was real. Wow. I had a dream once when I was a younger child that I was in my secondary school and in the middle of a lesson, like the fire alarms went off and we all ran out into the main playground and outside there was like a maybe 300, 400 foot angel just Whoa. walking into the grounds of the school with a sword. Wow. And in my dream, that was like, this is the end of the world. This is it. Fuck, it's all real. Look at that big fucking angel. You can't deny the big fucking angel. Wow. Big sandals. That's all that. <laughs> big sandals, yeah. Oh, yeah, if it was 300 foot, it'd probably have quite large sandals. Cool. But yeah, like a really vivid, yeah. vivid dream. And how fun that that didn't make you super religious. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess it easily could have done, mm. couldn't it, in other in other circumstances yeah because some of these people that we talk about here would use that as their yeah maybe oh. i'm the new jesus no um i'm sorry for what i've begun <laughs> understandably some of his followers denounce him as a fraud sure 
and some of them sort of continue some of them split away um it's from this that one group becomes the jehovah's witnesses who sam has so brilliantly told us about in previous episodes um some of them stay on as seventh day adventists on the morning of the 23rd of october day afterwards hiram edson um who is the leader of the port gibson millerites great thank you to our listeners in port gibson yeah um and a few others um pray in a barn for guidance cool is this a regular barn or are they like we need to find a barn to pray in um i think it's like yeah i don't know i get maybe someone's lent them the barn because they've traveled yeah. to upstate new york or i guess we're still in sort of we're just out of sort of pioneer times aren't we oh we're in pioneer times really aren't we late probably, that's probably every other building's a barn right <laughs> don't don't email in lessons history lessons with john and sam i like the other person that emailed us to complain or no maybe it was a um, a review which was about that we didn't uh, understand uh, American Christian theology in the same depth as people in the United States. Yes. Yeah, yeah, like really called us dumb. Oh, well. Just like, we're from a I know other things. From a different country. <laughs> also, look at my 10 pages of notes for this. Uh, I'm going to stop calling listeners motherfuckers <laughs> in this episode. That I'm really, I love almost all of you. Um, so they pray in a barn for guidance. Uh, and then they walk to meet another group of believers to sort of go, what the what the hell do we do now? But on the way, Sam, Ooh. something happens. Some kind of vision. <gasps> and in this vision, Hiram Edson is told that Jesus would cleanse the sanctuary. You'll have heard that in the mm-hmm. bit of quote that I was reading earlier. So that, in fact, what was happening was not Christ coming to earth, but Christ entering the Holy of Holies. Oh, on a Wednesday, saucy, uh, in a barn, um, <laughs> and that is just the beginning of the final phase. Got it. Okay, genius, absolute genius. Because sure. what this means is there's a theological lifeline, and the best thing of all mm-hmm. is that there's no way you can disprove that that's happened or not. Of yes. course not. Yeah, lovely. What a result! We can keep our end times theology going, and so in fact. What was happening now was that Jesus had entered the Holy of Holies. The sort of beginning of the end had begun. Had begun ending. <laughs> it was beginning. Okay, the beginning of the end had begun ending. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. And this was basically like the reason everyone had been summoned together was not to go up to heaven, but to get the message that what they had to do now was preach about the end of the world and get everybody ready. Sweet. Okay. And they had to do that by one, worshipping God. Yeah heard of it that's the <laughs> heard of him um so that was one thing that they that he whatever happened in this vision wanted to communicate cool um the second thing was that babylon is fallen um okay which i think is a terrible film isn't it no it sounds like it i don't know <laughs> i think it's a terrible action film i'm imagining those sort of um like bricks they used to use in old-timey films that were obviously made of foam where they just kind of rolled around oh, the screen. Yeah. Imagine those tumbling down. Yeah. Um, by which you meant that all the sort of existing organisations of the church, the Catholics, the Protestants, were all bad and all wrong and all sort of like unsavable. What That's a helpful thing for a person who's trying to create a fringe religious group to say. Convenient. Huh? Yeah. And three, a really important bit of preaching about the number 666, and that what was going to happen now is that people were going to be given the choice to either worship God or human institutions. And that was going to be the big sort of moral fight in the run up to the end of days. OK. I think that's a nice uh, 1870s ca- uh, capitalism reference. 
So Hiram's done a huge favour to Miller and to this sort of mm. religious movement by figuring out a way or being divinely revealed a solution. And then Ooh. along comes Ellen White. Yay! Can't also previously down. shouted out on yep. this podcast. Apologies, there's a little bit of overlap with, with stuff we've talked about before, listeners, but hopefully this is... It's all good. There's some different bits in the mix as well. Um, so she really believed in the importance of prophecy, mm-hmm. in the agency of prophets, and the importance of prophecy being in the world. And Ellen said, Miller was absolutely right about the upcoming end of the world. So convenient. It's just, just a bit bad at maths. Oh. Just forgot to like carry the two, or <laughs> you'd forgotten decimalization, or yeah. something like that, and that the advent was still to come. Um, okay. And so she said, in order to get ready for that, there were a few new things that the group should do. Uh, they should keep the Sabbath. Oh, yeah, there we go. From sundown Friday until sundown Sunday. Oh, long Sabbath. Ooh, sundown Sunday is like a club night I'm going to run. Name of your sex tape. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to sundown Sunday. <laughs> you, What you missed, listeners, was that John shuddered at his own... Attempt at a sexy voice. I, I kind of creep myself out there a little bit. <laughs> um, that they should follow an Old Testament diet. Oh, no. That... No pork, no shrimp. No pina coladas. No pina colada. No pork, no shrimp, no pina coladas sounds like another, like a fun, um, I don't know, salsa song or something. Um, and a kind of an interesting, like, proto-feminist theology that women should be allowed to play a role in the church and that the Holy Spirit was like a feminine aspect of God. Like Amy Coulson said. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, and we'll see this idea sort of comes up a few times in, in some of these sort of groups and offshoots. Um, obviously, that's an idea not explicitly in the Bible. The other non-Bible idea that Ellen White really comes in, the consequences of which our American friends are still dealing with today, is a really strong like anti-government ideology right. that she really bakes into all of the, the theology as well. The seed that grew QAnon. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> so, 1863, followers formed the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. And this group grew and grew and grew. And the Branch Davidians, who we're really talking about, remember them yeah. from like three hours ago when yeah, I started the title talking of the about this? Um, they are basically like an offshoot of an offshoot yeah. of the Seventh-day Adventists. Cool. Enter Victor Hutef. Victor Hutef? Hutef Hutef. I don't know. I was just making a fun joke. He was born in Bulgaria. Cool. In 1885. Yeah. um, And raised in the uh, Greek Orthodox Church. Okay. While he was in Bulgaria, he had some business troubles. He sort of ended up running part of the family business and there were sort of accusations of like unfair trading practices. It's all a little bit murky. Um, And so he decides in 1907 to move to America. There he is, Sam, with his wife. Oh, a picture. Okay. Nondescript. No. It's just a a quite a a short looking man or a tall looking lady, I guess. Yeah, short, short Bulgarian man. Sure. Um, so after this sort of charge of unfair trading practices in Turkey, uh, he sort of denied that. There was a bit of wrangling with a, uh, a bishop um, and he <laughs> then decided to leave. Um, and here's his description of that. <clears throat> Some years ago, while in Europe, I heard that one of my cousins had left for America. I then said to myself, 
poor cousin. I will never leave home and go to live anywhere as far away as America for any reason. But about that time, I, along with others, was falsely accused of conspiracy. It was in the season when the nights were long, and as we put on the lights of our store one morning before daylight, a mob gathered with guns and stones and stormed the windows. So it was that just a few months after I took pity on my poor cousin's estrangement from his homeland, I found myself in America, in the same house as him. Convenient. It was a great disappointment at first, the second in the show. Drink! (laughs) (laughs) Let's do that. Let's drink every time there's a great disappointment. I'll I'll just drink then. Yeah. It was a great disappointment at first. No, not lesser than Joseph's of old. But what a favour at last. God bless the mob. I came to America, not because I wanted to, but because God wanted me to. And since I knew not my future work, and as God could then no more make me understand than he could make Joseph understand his trip to Egypt, I was therefore driven out of the country at the point of a gun, as was Moses driven out of Egypt. Yeah, it kind of sounds like rather than God wanted you to move, a mob wanted you to move. Yeah, some some shady stuff was going yeah. down, um, and so it was very convenient for him to uh, to leave. Um, so when he gets to America, he works hard. He sort of starts to build his new life there. Then, in 1919... 19, okay, heard of it. <laughs> he's out for a walk, um, and he hears music <gasps> on the air. A siren song. And he thinks, oh, I like that music. Yeah. And he walks a little bit further and he sees that that music's coming from a big white tent. I'm going to go over to that white tent. My foot's are tapping away to the melodic, tuneful music. Get out your bed without my joy. It's going to be really popular in 1997, he thinks to himself. And he opens the door of the tent, steps in, and it's a Seventh-day Adventist, like, revival-style meeting. Cool. Um, Get out your bed for the return of Christ. I've been married a long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't think of any other words. That's good. No, I liked it. Um, And he loves it. Really loves it. For some reason, it really speaks to him. And very quickly, he gets baptised into the Seventh-day Adventist church. Nice. That must have been a fun time before Google when you could just like walk in a place and go, oh, it's a nice vibe. I'm not going to look to see if there's anything shady going on. Oh, I'm yeah, just going to join in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then, you, but also you're sort of like, and this is still true now, right? But then you're so much just at the whim of whoever's around you and who you might bump into rather than now being able to like really shop for any religious belief anyway. Yeah. It's just whoever happens to be near you with some nice music and That's the ability to put up a tent. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Which are the essential features of the start yeah. of any religion. So he really sort of dives into the Seventh-day Adventist church, um, but then he gets ill. Uh, he ends up in Glensdale Seventh-day Adventist Sanitarium. Oh, no. And, and he has to pay for that treatment, and it wipes out loads of his money, all the sort sure. of life that he's built. It, it really wipes out his funds. America. Around the same time... Mm-hmm. So it wipes out his funds. That sort of makes him a little bit like, oh, I'm not quite sure about the Seventh Day Adventist. They've taken all of my money. Okay. Um, but he's he's feeling better. Goes back to his life. Yeah. And then, according to uh, Victor, um, one day he's out walking, 
Maybe he hears a different bit of music uh, calling to him across the street. Um, and as he steps and tries to cross the road, he gets hit by a car. Oh, no. <laughs> but according to him, he gets properly hit by the car, but is completely unscathed. Um, so much so that, quote, onlookers shout out, He must be made of rubber! <laughs> Which I am willing to bet did not happen. If I'd have known where that was going to go, I might have picked the song Mr. Cellophane from Chicago. <laughs> Just imagine that uh, happened, listeners. Yeah, there's no way onlookers, especially as a group, shout out the phrase, he must be made of rubber. Yeah, like a chorus in a GCSE drama production. He must be made of rubber. Rubber, 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 rubber. Uh, and that is part of his sort of re- religious experience at the time. He feels like that shows that he's sort of protected by God, if indeed that ever happened in any form cool. whatsoever. Um, he becomes the assistant Sabbath school superintendent. So, yeah, so he's starting to take on some roles in the SDA. And while he's studying the religion mm-hmm. and reading all of the writings and things, he has some revelations doesn't every fucker have that revelation but isn't this again this is going to come up a few times the number of mediocre white men yeah who very quickly join something and then decide immediately they are the bestest at it and the smartest at it and the ones who should be running it yeah Ooh, history is <laughs> Ooh, history turns so often on one of those men yeah deliciously yeah um and that's sort of what, what's happened here. So he has these revelations, and so he starts to write a book, which he calls <clears throat> The Shepherd's Rod. Name of your sex tape. <laughs> um, and The Shepherd's Rod, um, he hands it to 33 different members of the Seventh Adventist Church. Okay. One of them writes back, pointing out some errors that he's made. Oh. <laughs> One of them, he doesn't name or tell us what happens. And 31 other people just ignore him. Aww. Imagine that. You give the book you've written to 33 of your friends or acquaintances. One tells you what's wrong. Mm -hmm. One, I don't know, maybe responds but doesn't really get into it. Cheers, bye. And 31 others just ignore you. Oh, no. Um, And he considers, therefore... um, other people that are not listening to him to be enemies of the message cool uh, and he starts teaching sort of extra classes at the um sabbath school sort of teaching his particular ideas oh man after that really low response that yep. he got to he it he's still he's going to okay it. cool um he gets disciplined by the church for that because sure he shouldn't he be teaching his own gubbins yeah. um it's like um Jim Jones sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. very much in a similar kind of vibe. Um, and he publishes and distributes The Shepherd's Rod and slowly does begin to gain converts. Yeah. At which point he is disfellowshipped from the Seventh-day Adventist cool. church for all of this sort of split away. But he's a mediocre white man in the early 20th century, so the movement grows quickly. <laughs> uh, in 19... Um, 35 um he moves with 12 followers uh, there are more sort of around but 12 of them move with him to waco texas heard of it yeah yeah um and he's really been focusing just on sort of recruiting other seventh-day adventists away from the 
church to come cool. and join his group. Um, this is obviously I'm learning a lot, but this is the first thing. It's like, oh, ding, ding, ding! Did not know that at all. In that they've been there for years. Yeah. I sort of imagined it like, like the uh, people's temple. Like they moved there fairly recently and then built it up. But it's actually yeah, no, been I have for... no idea. Yeah, yeah. same. Um, yeah, got a long sort of history. Um, so they bought 189 acres. That, that 190 would have been too much. Uh, and then a further 188. Okay, I can't maths that fast. Um, and they, you know, that takes a lot of money, and they buy this area, but then they don't yeah. think they're going to be there very long. So it's like 187. Yeah, I'm still trying something to something like that. Yeah. A lot, many acres. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, because they like well, yeah, we just have it for a bit, and then the rapture will happen. Yeah, we just need somewhere nice to live until. Oh. Um, in August 1935, 37 members are living there. Um, and so, yeah, so it's sort of building up. 1937, on the 1st of January, he marries Florence Hermanson. <laughs> oh, oh. I'm going to give you a clean version of that, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he marries Florence Hermanson. Um, and they start to build up the group. Um, amongst the sort of early policies to help build this community is a second tithe. So a second 10% of your income um, goes into the community fund to help build this sort of base yeah. that they're building. Where does the first 10% go? To just run the church. Mm. So already 20% of your income is... That's so much. Yeah, it's quite a lot. Of yeah. Um, they believe in hard work and prayer. They're vegetarian. You have to wear modest clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, and they and they start running this organization. Um, Victor calls the place Mount Carmel. Yeah, uh, okay. and it's named after the place in um, the Book of Kings where the prophet Elijah kills uh, the followers of the Phoenician god Baal. I feel like there was a character in a, a Jacqueline Wilson book called Carmel. Oh, maybe. I think. I don't. That's just that popped into my head, fully formed. She thought. probably solved a crime while babysitting, though, rather than killing the followers of the Phoenician god Baal. I feel like she had colourful pens. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what this sort of suggests is that already there's this idea of like it's named after the place where this sort of fight and battle against evil cool. took place, yeah. and that's kind of built into the early days of of this place. Nice. And I'm sure nothing bad will come of that kind of militant vibe. No. In future. Couldn't. It couldn't possibly. Um, They have 75 residents in 1937. Goes up to about 125 in 1938. Oh. It then sort of levels out at like 70 or 80 people. But it's like a sizable little community that have built there. Um, They're quite isolated from the local sort of town and other things. Sure. So again, that sort of idea that they're on their own, getting ready, that the mm. special people ready for the end of the world is sort of geographically built in now, as well as being part of the theology that they're yeah. following. I'm sure in a huge state like Texas, that's probably not that hard to do. Yeah. Is yeah, that if you've got true. the land? Uh, by the 1940s, there are 10 buildings. There's accommodation, there's schoolrooms, there's a laundry, a general store, there's a chapel. Um in the chapel, Houtuf designs and builds an 11th hour clock. What's that? I hear you cry. What's that? Thank you for asking. That's a clock which is set at 11 
to remind them that the end of the world is near. It sounds to me, Sam, more like designing and building a clock. He just broke a clock. Yeah. Yeah, it was just like didn't bother winding it or took the little AA battery out. Yeah. Um <laughs> but there's a he designs this clock to go, look, the end is near. It's okay. the eleventh hour. You're late. You to... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh you need to yeah. Yeah, you need to be ready. Um that clock is still in Waco, Texas. Whoa. Um, it's in a there's a sort of a slightly fancy high school there from what I gather called the Vanguard School and that clock is still there in um sort of in situ all these And is that an, an SDA school or is that just like a his- yeah, historical it's, artifact? Yeah, historical is... artifact in that building. Ooh, cool. Um so that's cool. So if anyone's if been you... to Waco and has seen it. Yeah, yeah please send let us a picture. Know about the eleventh hour um clock. Um so along this they're just publishing and publishing and publishing thousands of copies of sort of books slash pamphlets that spread the message here are some titles for you can we just do another dab on the cult bingo card for pamphlets oh we love a pamphlet <laughs> we do always scoop up pamphlets i've wherever been we go. i've been tidying and moving things around i know it doesn't necessarily look like it here sam but i keep opening drawers and discovering like a big bundle of scientology pamphlets a big bundle of 12 tribes pamphlets a big yep. bundle of jehovah's witness <laughs> absolutely well we moved house a couple of weeks ago oh, of course and so packing and then un- well sort of half unpacking we're still living mostly in boxes but you're, wait you're living in boxes <laughs> even yes. though you've just bought <laughs> yeah yeah but the boxes are so cozy <laughs> um but we just part, like i think i probably have a box that's full of cult adjacent objects oh yeah i need a cult box mm. well i've just moved house i've got plenty of boxes if you yeah, need that's one fair. that's totally fair um so yeah so they publish lots here's some choice titles for you lovely great the shepherd's rod yeah uh the pre-11th hour extra oh that one's for the kids yeah uh the great paradox of the ages yeah the latest news for mother oh <laughs> that's like like a i don't know sounds like a religious fundamentalist version of woman's own really, yeah. isn't it? it's kind of like a gossip magazine yeah yeah um dads don't read it um <laughs> the great controversy over the shepherd's rod oh t- that's the my secret of your sex tape, tape. <laughs> <laughs> um uh mount sion and the 11th hour okay um and these are these are like they're not fucking about with these sam the shortest one which is called pre 11th hour mystery Ooh. 56 pages. All right. Yeah. The longest one, Final Warning. Oh. 120 pages. Oh, they're short. That's for a like religious tract pamphlet that you're sending out. Mm. That's kind of yeah, for books they're short, well, but but then like the ones that like Harry Krishna's handout, they're bigger than 120 pages. Yeah, maybe. It just seems like quite yeah. a lot to me. Anyway, so they so they they're doing a lot trying to get that message out. Um Really into observing the Sabbath. Good note, John. Thank Great. You. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> um, they believe, different to the Seventh-day Adventists, that the United States is the two-horned beast mentioned in the book of Revelation. Okay. So Seventh-day Adventists sort of generally view America as being like the... Like a fair... Uh, for all that it's compromised, like a positive influence in the world. For, yeah. Um, for these guys, they're they're one of the beasts they're one of the really bad actors in the end of times right i'm just trying to think of like if that if that's true where are the heads where are the crowns where's the mouth 
where are the I think that's a different one, isn't it? This horns? is the that was that was the se, se, seven horned, ten horned, ten horned beast. This one's yeah. a two horn. I think this is a different beast with a different right. Number of okay, horns. sorry, I beg your pardon, beasts. I didn't mean to mix yeah, you up. Two two horned beast. Okay, two cool. horned beast. Title of your sex. Yay! Um, they shun dancing. Oh, theater. Oh, tobacco, common literature, costly raiment and jewelry. Ooh. Um, and they're all strict vegetarians. Okay. Um, but That's the one I can get behind. Yeah, mostly they're just shunning things we really like. So. Yeah. Um, uh, Victor's quite a strict leader. Um, he's sort of in control of all aspects of what's going on. Um, he's the president of the organization. Sure. Uh, which is like a God appointed position. Yeah. Of divine right of presidents God of the organization it. Yeah. Um, and then there's sort of an executive council who who also run things who okay. are sort of under his under his control um, and so they name the organization the general these are all really catchy the general association of shepherd's rod seventh day adventists gaster gasruster yeah gasruster catchy um, and then they think, well, that's not quite right. So then they become <clears throat> the General Association. <laughs> they're not drunk when they <laughs> name yeah. it. The General Association of Davidian Seventh Day Adventists. Gadster. Better. Um, as in King David in yeah. the Bible, um, for reasons that will become clear when I turn this page. Ooh. Okay. So King David, we're talking David and Goliath, David. Yeah, so yeah, David who becomes King David who yeah. rules a kingdom in the Bible uh-huh. and is sort of down as like one of the one of their top kings. If you got him in Old Testament Top Drums Kings edition, <laughs> <laughs> he'd be a good one to have. But then as as that uh previously mentioned listener so generously said, I don't know anything about religions, so that's why I'm, that's why I was clarifying if it yeah, was Yeah, no, 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 it's David. an important question. Yeah. Um absolutely it's him. Um Briefly, they dabble with sex separation. That is, keeping the genders apart unless they're married. Got it. Um, they try that for about two years and then knock that on the head. Okay. Although that's an idea that keeps sort of coming back to the group in, in later years. There are plenty of religions that do that in prayer. Yeah. Yeah, they do it. It's but supposed they do to be it just generally. everything, yeah. Oh. Um, and then that doesn't really work out. Um, and, and it's all sort of, as with lots of these groups, it's all about like hard physical labour and then you study the Bible at night. That's your day. Hard physical labour all day. Hard Bible study all night. Name of your sex tape. <laughs> I'll stop making that joke this episode, I promise. Um, he nearly dies of an ulcer in oh. 1945. Um, and that sort of, I don't know, gives them a bit of a a sort of a push to, to make things happen. So previously they talk about like fishing for converts by sending out all this literature, mm-hmm. particularly targeting Seventh-day Adventists rather yeah. than the general population, that that's like setting fishing for people, setting yeah. out the lures to, to bring them in. Oh, come here, read more pamphlets. Yeah, exactly. Like pamphlets. Yeah. This one's 120 pages. We Get got them. <laughs> um, did you read The Shepherd's Rod? Read The Shepherd's Rod 2, Farewell to the Flesh. <laughs> I couldn't think of any other sequel titles. I don't know why I went Candyman. Yeah. Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Shepherd's Rod 2, Electric Boogaloo. That's better, it rhymes. Yeah. Um, and, but now they switch to this idea of hunting 
they send people out to sort of directly proselytize to people and, and try okay. to get them mano a mano. And the origins of flirty fishing. Yeah, yeah, very much the similar kind of vibe. Mm. Um, in 1955, though, Victor dies of kidney failure. He's quite elderly by this time, isn't yeah, he, for this reasonable. age? Yeah. I can't remember when he said he was born. Is it... 1885? Okay, so he's like 70-odd, yeah, which yeah. is pretty so good he's done at that. good service. Yeah. However, his death before the apocalypse happened was unexpected. Yeah, sure. Um, but this guy has a huge sort of influence on everything that happens in the group hereafter and everything they think for like the next 40 years so much of it goes back to this little bulgarian man who was sort of run out of turkey and then yeah okay and then went in a tent yeah briefly let's uh talk about some of those ideas of his that went forward into the group great um so what he was really into like lots of these groups was really like detailed scriptural knowledge really pouring over every sentence and word and phrasing and how it all links up like really deep deep bible study um and they believe lots of things like the 144,000 people in heaven Mm -hmm. etc etc and he's really into the kingdom of david um and that what will happen in the end times is that there will be established a new kingdom of david on earth because as I've mentioned, I haven't read the Bible. My my main reference for that story is that Simpsons episode where Nelson is the Cyclops and Bart is King David. We watched that last night. Wow! Weird, weird episode. God told me to say that. Maybe I'm the new Jesus. <laughs> um, yeah, cool episode, but yeah, maybe not super helpful. <laughs> okay. Uh, for understanding in this context but yeah basically like good god-fearing king doing god's stuff running a successful kingdom it's pretty much the the short version so not only does the sort of descriptions of the kingdom of david in the bible describe david's kingdom in the past Mm -hmm. um it's also history but it's also a prophecy and model for the future it's what's going to happen in the end times the kingdom of david's going to be re-established um maybe in waco texas it's going to be a real geographical location. Yeah. Who knows where it will be? Is it Waco, Texas? It'll be ruled over <laughs> by two kings. Um, a spiritual king. Jesus. Jesus yeah. Okay. Very heard of him. Um, <laughs> and then a literal, like, human king, the new David. Convenient. Um, and Victor obviously believes himself to be that new king yeah but his kidneys had other ideas yeah um uh, Roden, who's going to follow him also thought he was actually the yeah. king david that was going to rule over this kingdom um and later david koresh then went no it must be me okay um but that's the idea that there'll be this and definitely... if it's not me then it's nobody yeah mm. um and that's all rooted in lots of sort of intricate biblical text about got Rod, it rods and jesse yeah. and david and Oh, okay. Just sounds like a night I had in the (laughs) mid-2000s. Right, anyway. um, Also at the same time, there will be the restoration or return of the Jews to Israel. Return of the Jews to Israel. Return of the Jews. Um, Victor sort of gets around the fact that none of them are 
explicitly Jewish, being the people sort of returning to mm. uh, to the world and to set up this kingdom by saying that by this point there are the Jews have travelled all over the world and there are many people with Jewish blood somewhere in their lineage who don't know it. Therefore, it's pretty much anyone. It doesn't necessarily have to be those who specifically identify as Jews. Okay. Convenient. And so not only is Victor the new David, he's also the new Elijah, the new John the Baptist. Um, and because the Seventh-day Adventists have gone astray, um, he's going to hold these new people, establishing this new kingdom of David. Um, all the sort of non... I guess not non-believers, non-true followers, um, will all be slaughtered. That will be part of what happens at the end times. Oh. Which, again, is sort of another bit of sort of his theology and reading that just puts violence in yeah. some of the theology of this of this organization quite early on this idea of apocalyptic violence being yeah. what what the members can expect um and then there'll be a thousand year millennium on earth not in heaven some uh, well, that's, that's what a millennium is yeah. yeah some groups believe that'll happen in heaven as part of the judgment thing they very much believe it'll happen here on right earth. And this is when we get like rivers of fire and that sort of stuff yeah. for a thousand years. Okay. Um, but he's died. Yeah. And that's caused a real sort of like crisis and collapse, possibly in the organization. Um, here's a good quote from uh, uh, one of my sources <clears throat> The thorny question of why Victor had died, <laughs> or more precisely, how a dead person would be able to rule over a literal kingdom. In Israel, which is where they believe it's going to be. Yeah, uh, okay. Um, causes some trouble. But they believe in Jesus, who is also dead. Yes, but he is, of course, um, resurrected and flying around. Sure. Um, so some of his followers come to believe that he will be resurrected like Jesus, exactly oh. as you've said. That'll be the solution. Handy. He'll be resurrected and then he'll rule over uh, the new kingdom of David in Israel. Saw it. Um, and his wife Florence goes, "Yeah, I reckon that's what's going to happen. Yeah, mm. I pre- I predict that. I predict the fuck out of that." <laughs> I'm, pa- I'm paraphrasing slightly. Um, and at one point, they say that he's going to come back in April 1959, um, for reasons that will become clear. Because his wife, who becomes vice president, can't be president. That's appointed by God. That's Got Victor. It. Yeah. She's vice president in charge. She sort of takes over. Yeah. Um, she sees off four other people who sort of go, no, I should be in charge. Um, right. A guy called Bingham, a guy called Wolf. Um, she's one of the four sort of struggling um, for leadership. And Ben Roden, who's her main sort of rival, of whom more later. So I'm imagining mm. it, Sam. Listeners, at the moment, it's the end of July in 2022. Um, I'm imagining that like the Conservative Party leader uh, <laughs> competition that's uh, going on at the moment. Uh, hey, would you like this rock or this hard place? No, just between them? Great. Um, yeah. So imagine Florence is, um, I guess, the Liz Truss of that oh. <laughs> competition. Never would it be described right. as the Liz Truss It seems of unsuitable, but it looks like they're going to win. Oh, and um, how much did you enjoy that Nadine Dorries about the Claire's accessories earrings and the £3,000 shoot? Oh. The whole thing is mad. The idea that the two candidates they've ended up with are the best Britain has to offer to lead the country, who are just trashing their own record in government to get elected. It's just... yeah insane yeah and the whole thing about self-id they're like i didn't say that well why the why the fuck not you absolute prick 
What about all these clips of you saying that you supported it? Oh, well, I was being more nuanced than you. Yeah, ah, but my voting record shows that actually I'm an asshole. Yeah, yeah, but um, but that kind of that kind of leadership competition, <laughs> yeah. uh, contest, sorry, uh, happens. But Florence comes out on top, um, and she predicts, yeah, Victor's going to be resurrected. It's all going to be fine. Um, that's going to happen when the end of the kingdom comes, and a oh. war in the Middle East starts. Yeah, on the twenty second of April. 1959. Ah. Because they believe this is going to happen, they start thinking that they're going to um, they need to make some preparations. Um, so they sell the old Mount Carmel site. Oh. Um, and they buy a new one, twelve miles from the centre of Waco. Oh, okay. So the site that we associate with them now is the second Mount Carmel. Got it. Site, which is why the clock is still in. Situ because it's in yeah. a building that's now become part of the school. Cool. And they're getting really hot on their predictions for what's going to happen on this auspicious date. <clears throat> Here are the things they're expecting. Quote, we expect that, uh, quote, one, we expect that the world's religions are going to unite against communism. This we have taught for the past 20 years. Our biblical authority is found in Isaiah and other prophecies. The World Conference on Religion, which was held April 17th to 19th in Dallas, which is where you'd have the World Conference of Religion, um, reflects that the present thinking of the world's religions is travelling in this very direction. We stand on religious and national alliances given by Isaiah. By this scripture, we understand that the Lord is not in such a confederation of churches and nations, and therefore God's people are to have no part in it. Since the Lord certainly is not in communism either, therefore God's people must place their trust in the Lord alone. Please correct me if I'm wrong, but like people who live in a commune and share their money and take... Like Jesus and the disciples. Yeah, and take even... That's communism, right? Bad. It's bad. God God isn't in a yeah. um, commune, so no one else should be. <clears throat> Except for them who are? Yes. Yeah, okay, got it. Two, we believe also that sometime this spring, God will... In a direct and terrible judgment, as shown in Isaiah and Ezekiel, remove all the hypocrites from the Seventh-day Adventist church and also from among the Davidians. Wow. Bye-bye hypocrites. Bye-bye hypocrites. Three. We expect that sometime this spring, God will commence to set up his peaceful kingdom in the Holy Land. Hey, Jesus, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. mate, you're right. Um, I'm just just filling out my diary for for next month. I know we're... um, it's no, coming to the end of spring. We're, like... going, we're going to Ibiza, yeah. aren't we? End, end of winter. It's cold, <laughs> it's cold. We're going for that. And then um, I'm just trying to schedule things around. I know you, you said something about like the world ending. You've got, yeah. you've got a date locked in for that yet. It's okay if you don't. Let me just pencil in. Shall I just pencil in sometime this spring? We're, we're thinking sometime in the spring, yeah. Great. Yeah, <laughs> great. Uh, <laughs> uh, he will set up his peaceful kingdom in the Holy Land. We believe that the Holy Land will be prepared for the setting up of God's kingdom by a war mentioned in Zechariah 14. 5. The April 22nd date was calculated from the symbolic prophecy of the 1,260 literal days of Revelation. Right, okay. So, basically what we get from the Davidians is that war will break out in the Middle East, the land will become empty as a result, they'll go and set the kingdom of David up and all go and live there ready for the end of the world while meanwhile all the SD church will be slaughtered and the final like 144,000 will be gathered okay 
And also, probably at that point, Victor will be resurrected and come back. Sure. They summon their supporters. People like sell their houses, sell their businesses, move to Waco, Texas, ready for the end. About 600 people arrive and gather. Oh, my goodness. I was just thinking, how are they getting 144,000 out of the 75 or whatever that are there? 600. I did read something about that. I think think what Victor said was that the Branch Davidians were like the... They were going to be the first of the... There was like a metaphor of like the harvest. They were going to be like the first bundle of corn to be harvested from the wider 144,000. Got it. Okay. Nothing happens. No, really? None, none of that happens. Oh. Um, and, and they just sort of carry on. Again, like we've talked about with other groups, there yeah. isn't a big sort of pull away. People just go, oh, well, okay. I believe this all even more now. Yeah. Better keep okay, going. Okay, well, I've committed to it. Some cost fallacy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the Seventh-day Adventists try and rein them in at this point. They call lots of meetings with them. They exchange mm-hmm. lots of tedious letters. But that sort of comes to nothing. There's no like resolution between them. Yeah. There's a few split-offs. A few other people go away and do other little groups. Great. In March 1962... Okay. Florence resigns. Oh. And dissolves the association. Oh. Big crisis. The whole thing has fallen apart. Oh. Enter Ben Rodden. Ooh. Um, Ben Rodden was born in... In 1902. Okay. Um, he was of Jewish heritage. Yeah. Um, he got into the oil business. Okay. Made a lot of money, or reasonable amount of money there. Um, he married his wife Lois, and they have six children. Too many. Far too many. If you're in the oil business, though, I guess you've got... Money. Space. Um, <laughs> <laughs> don't know. Um, 1937, he joins... He sort of converts to Christianity. Okay. Um, and in 1940, he joins the Seventh-day Adventists. For two reasons, it's suggested in the bo- two books I read. One, that he sort of feels affinity with the sort of the more Old Testament vibe and the celebrating the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. So it sort of links his sort of Judaism with Christianity. Sure, yeah. Um, but also, his mother-in-law gave him a book about the Seventh-day Adventists as a wedding present. Oh no! Gee, gee, thanks, mom. Thanks. I really wanted a um, a new cutlery set, but I'll take this book about Jesus. Thank you. Yeah, um, and that sort of gets him gets him into the church. Okay. Um, he very quickly rises up the ranks, um, and then somewhere between 1943 and 1945, he joins the Shepherd's Rod movement. Oh, okay. He gets disfellowshipped by the Seventh Day Adventists. Oh no! Yeah. And he's a bit pissed off about that. Okay. Because. Uh, him and Lois have put quite a lot of money into the local Seventh Day Adventists. I bet, including paying for the church that the sort of local group he was part of were using. Ooh! So there's this hilarious thing that happens. They get sort of disfellowshipped, and yeah. then they sort of break in. They take one of the doors off, and Lois is like, "Well, I'm going to live here now because we paid for this." And that's beautiful. As far as I can tell, for like a week, yeah. they're like, "Well, you can't live. You've bro- you've broken in. You can't whatever." And then Ben takes all the doors off and goes, "Well, anyone can come in. I've paid for this." Yeah. I do- and there's this whole kind of standoff uh, with their local church. Um, but then, but then that peters off, and he decides to to come up with a new plan that they right. can't just live in somebody else's church they've paid for um, forever. Um, 
1955, he tries to take over the group when Victor goes. Right, kind of yeah. goes, I think, I think it should be me. Yeah. Um, and he also calls out for followers to come to that date when Florence has said the world's going to end and Victor's sure. going to come back. And actually, they think lots of the reason it's such a big number is partly because Florence's call, but actually lots of people came for his okay, call yeah. because he'd been out doing his, his mm-hmm. own sort of preaching. He sort of thought, because of lots of tedious Bible stuff, that he was really the true leader. Yeah. Or the branch. The branch of the Davidians. Mm. Got it. Um, We're sounding Yoda again now. And he writes lots of letters to Florence, basically going, you're wrong, I should be in charge. Lots of love, the branch. You're a big tree. I'm a branch. And and at one point, he like sends her a letter in at the start of October going, if you don't... I'm imagining him as Ben Shapiro now in my head, which is really unhelpful. And I'm sorry to give that image to you, uh, listeners. Um, let's say, just for interest, uh, uh, no, what is it he says? Um, let's suppose, just for argument, that I'm actually the branch. Um, uh, odious human. Um, he writes a lots of letters going like, actually, I should be in charge. If you don't put me in charge... Uh, then uh, God's going to rain fire down on you on October the 20th. <laughs> um, and, and obviously that doesn't that doesn't happen. No. Um, although it seems like he really believes it. There are a couple of things that he sort of does and gets other people to leave that imply yeah. that he really thought that's like, going to happen. Well, yeah. Yeah, bizarre. Um, and he keeps sort of, he'll sort of visit Mount Carmel, try and get people to rally behind him and then it doesn't kind of work. So then he goes away again and then comes back. back and tries it again a couple of weeks later. Yeah. It's kind of sad. Oh. In the meantime, he goes to Israel. Okay. And yeah. tries to start the kingdom up. Wow. Ready for okay. the end of the world. Like, hey boys, you said that you were going to do this, so should we? Should we do it? Yeah. I'm here. And so he goes and starts building some organic communes. Wow. In Israel. Okay. To start planting the seeds of the the kingdom of David. Right. And for about ten years, he goes back and forth between building organic communes in Israel. Yeah. And going back to Mount Carmel and going, can I? Can I take over yet? Can, Can I have take over now? Anyone want to come to Israel? In 1965, he purchases some of the Mount Carmel land and tries to sort of take control. Um, <laughs> Takes all the doors off it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's worked for him before. Um, and then there's lots of sort of lawsuits and counter lawsuits about who should get the land and who it's supposed to go to. And the organisation's been dissolved, so it sure. should be split up between members. There's a whole lot of legal wrangling. Um he loses lots of those lawsuits mm-hmm. when he's trying to um, file but eventually there's some kind of setup where they they go they arrange for um, for him to be able to buy the property as the branch Davidians oh and he gets a message from God at this point it, he- hello <laughs> hi, hi Ben hi yeah uh, yeah, uh, yeah Ben Ben speaking hi it's um it's God here um, God, I just, how are you? I'm, I'm, I'm good, mate. Thanks. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm Thank very, you so much for the dinner. Here. <laughs> you're welcome. Thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'd ask how you're doing, but I'm omniscient. So uh, um, I just got a message for you, which is uh, you need to go to Waco and um, and lead my people. So, um, But there's this so whole thing that. I've been doing in Israel that I go, thought... Go, don't, did I fucking stutter? Go to Waco. Yes, sir. And lead my people. Thank you so much. So he's done that. He's bought the land. He owns it. He's in charge of the Branch Davidians now. Um, in 1970, he has himself crowned 
No. As the vice generate of the most high god. Wow. And like okay. they make a little like little hill altar thing and he sits on it and they put a crown on his head. It's Aww. all very cute. And he encourages people to either go to the communes in Israel or come to mm-hmm. Mount Carmel. Um, um guys, I spent a really long time building those. It was like ten years, so this is where God says, but there are some buildings. And it's amazing because you're not just doing this to like passers by. Yeah. He speaks to President Nixon wow. about getting him to help support the stuff they're building. Right. Later on, he speaks to Jimmy Carter, yeah, who I didn't know, um, apparently really into this kind of apocalyptic oh, theology. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I hadn't sort of twigged. Well, twigged Christianity that. is one of the prerequisites of being a president, isn't it, of the United States of America? Yeah, well, I don't know whether officially, but certainly. I think it might be. Because there was a whole big thing about how JFK was the first Catholic one. Yeah. Wasn't there? Yeah. I don't Wasn't know whether it's, Yeah, yeah, there was, but I don't know whether that was... I'm not sure. I think it might like, be. Whether it's written Because they have to do the Bible. separation of church and state. Yeah, I think you just have to swear on something. Yeah, you? is there? Well, yeah, in theory. Sorry, yeah. Americans. Yeah. Um. So uh, he's had his little crowning thing. He's talking to presidents, trying to get support for them. Um. His wife, Lois, uh, also says that she's a prophet as well. Convenient. Mm, helpful, isn't it? Um. And they have four sons... Um, the most sort of serious and into all of this stuff of whom is George. Okay. Of whom more later. Ooh. Unexpectedly, Ben dies in 1978. God, these cult leaders just unexpectedly dying all over yeah. the place. And what's weird, Sam, is that he dies on the 22nd of October <gasps> that year. Oh! 134 years to the day of the Great Disappointment. Wow! Do you reckon Lois made it happen? Maybe. A little bit of arsenic or something. Maybe. I mean, they don't seem to make a big deal of that date in any of the group's discussion and stuff. But like that's, yeah. but that is a thing. It feels like you could really make yeah. hay out of that. Um, he's buried at Waco at the time, but then later Lois has him uh, exhumed and buried at the Mount of Olives in Israel as oh, per his wishes. That's nice. Which is where they think Jesus is going to touch down. Cool. Um, But... Although he's died, it's not the same chaos as before because he's built up the group, he's built up the money, the land is secure, it's owned by the Branch Davidians, everything's much more like in place. Wow, yeah. It's, much, it's not as fragile as it was when Florence sort of, yeah, throws in the towel previously. And what's been really good about his leadership and teaching is that he's never picked a date the world is going to end. No. So there's no disappointments. It's an open-ended invitation. Yeah. 100% Branch. Zero percent disappointment. <laughs> Name of my sex tape. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to do one more. Ooh, splinters. Um, however, um, at this point, there is a little bit of scuffle about who's going to be the leader. Of course there is. Lois is like, I'm his wife. I'm a prophet. It's me. Yeah. But George, the, one of the four sons who's really into it, feels that he's the natural successor. Okay. And that he should be in charge. And eventually he persuades the group to have a leadership vote. Ooh. Again, I'm imagining uh, Liz Truss versus Rishi uh, Sunak. Yep. And Lois wins that. So he's all good. He's yeah. persuaded oh. everyone to have a leadership vote and then he loses to his own mother. Um, and it, it sort of, he keeps trying to argue for control of the group in lots of different ways. Okay. Um, to the point where his mother gets a restraining order out against him. Oh, to say, shit. leave me alone. Bog off. 
Um, and he will sort of, for a long time, keep targeting her. Mm. And later, David Koresh, because he thinks he's the true leader of the group. Got it. Okay. I wonder if that will lead to anything weird later on. Maybe. Ooh, John just did some mysterious eyebrows. Mm. She sort of carries on a lot of the theology. She also changes things or readdresses things a little bit. Yeah, of course. In 1977, she has a vision of an angel. And as it walks by, she's like... Through her secondary school with giant sandals. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. She's like, ooh, that... <laughs> not like this. Ooh, that angel's a bit feminine. Oh. And she realises, oh, it's not an angel. It's the Holy Spirit. <gasps> wow. Um, and therefore, that means the Holy Spirit is the feminine aspect of, of God and of Godhead. Cool. Which you remember was like way, way back Ellen White stuff yeah. that then got left out. Yeah. She sort of brings that back in a little bit mm -hmm. that's quite controversial that causes some for some people that's like blasphemy yeah but she sort of makes that case um she starts a magazine for the group called shekinah and she sort of has oh, this like like the um homeless uh yeah. charity that's nearby yeah Shekinah, yeah 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 it must be connected somewhere the... yeah yeah must be connected in whatever the root of that yeah is but i don't i don't know and again there's a sort of all proto-feminism right which is like women taking leadership roles in the church mm -hmm. but i'm not i'm not the the i'm not the most important person my husband was and someone else is going to be Blech. the king and i'm just i'm yeah. just the current sort of leader she also believes that the remnant the sort of last standing true believers mm -hmm. will undergo a baptism of fire oh and that that will happen at mount carmel yeah. Because that will be the true kingdom of David, not Jerusalem. Aww. Mount Carmel is the new Jerusalem. Yeah. But there's going to be like a, a baptism of fire for the true believers there. I'm sure that will have no negative consequences or resonances later on. No. Um, and she believes firmly that Christ is going to come back before the year 2000 at the Mount of Olives and that this final age is finally this time properly this is going to be the one yeah it's going to end we're going to get there it's all going to be fine which brings us up to the summer of 1981 Ooh. enter david koresh Ooh. And, and if rumors are to be believed he did enter but we'll talk about that more oh. next time on coffee and cults <laughs> when we return with the branch divisions episode two wow. the rise of david koresh Wow, thanks, John. Brilliantly told. Cool. It's really interesting to be able to like weave all the little threads together as well. Yeah. Like as we're doing more and more groups, we're like, oh, that's how they connect to them, and that's how they. Yeah, there's a real like, family tree of oh. Yeah, like um, the six degrees of separation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And they all lead to Gareth Southgate. Um, <laughs> yeah. Played by Jared Leto. <laughs> but you also realise how much I think, particularly doing this research, where you go, some bloke a hundred years ago yeah. says this thing based on what he thinks about the bible and that idea mm -hmm. turns out to have a horrific consequence in some way absolutely that's not even like the direct intent of that way of thinking but it just has that well, what do outcome. you think in like 60 years time when people have reproductive rights again yeah, and they yeah. go how did those that fucking rapist make it yeah. so that people didn't have reproductive rights yeah um yeah so that's really interesting and, and as you say that this group you know, is actually quite a long... T although they're 
like a spin-off of a spin-off of a spin-off mm-hmm. and i feel like all i've done on the podcast this year is talk about and then this group split and became that group and then this group <laughs> become um but i guess that's part of the vibe of it but it means there's sort of a long yeah a long tradition um and then it's not that long ago that people really in strong numbers but believed the world was going to end like soon not just in their lifetime but yeah. like in a couple of years it's extraordinary yeah and they can't have gone very far like i'm sure there are still vast numbers of people that, that believe the same thing oh yeah i bet listen out for a future episode where we I well, don't maybe jesus will come back before yeah before oh i imagine if we've been out, this in this episode and then <laughs> jesus comes back and we have to just delete it nah. as we're being raptured or maybe yeah. we won't be raptured maybe we'll be here for a thousand years burning the rivers of fire probably yeah I don't know, you're gay and I've got tattoos, so probably I'm not going to do very well. <laughs> that was one of the alternate titles for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we considered listeners. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll return to the 1980s and yeah. the arrival of a new, uh, a new person on the block. 1980s is when John Nash arrived. Maybe you're Jesus. I am the new Jesus. Um yeah thank so you. we'll talk about david koresh next time yeah um, thanks sam thank you very much john and thank you listeners for listening if you believe john is jesus please get in touch if you would like to get in touch with us about that or anything else you could do that coffeeandcults at gmail.com or on our various social medias at coffee and cults we try and reply as quickly as we can if you'd like to support us you can buy us a one-off coffee to drink while we record at ko-fi.com forward slash coffee and cults or if you'd like to support us on a more regular basis and help us make this show. And keep can... the pina coladas flowing. <laughs> and keep the M&S pina coladas flowing. Um, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash coffee and cults. Uh, and if you sign up there, you get lots of little bonusy things. There's some bonus episodes up there. There's some videos of episodes and things. Uh, yeah, there's some good stuff up there. And very soon there will be an episode of Sounds of the Sexties. Yeah. The music of David Koresh. Great. Lovely. I think that's everything, Sam. I think that's it. Thank you. Thank you. We love you. We love you. Bye. Bye. We're going to talk to you. You are the initiate. You are the cosmic being. We found out that I was actually getting a two-inch by two-inch 